The other week, we went to see uh, what's become an enormous film, The Greatest Showman. And uh, I think many of you would have seen it. I know for a fact that there's at least one person in this room who's seen it three times already. It might even have gone up since I spoke to them. It's not me. I have been once. And, and the more I reflect on it, I enjoyed the film. But the more I reflect on it, it really is. There's something about it. There's all the catchy songs that really do get in your head, especially if you live with people who play it non-stop uh, whenever they are at home. It's visually very exciting to watch. There's all sorts of things going on. There's obviously various famous actors who, who are really, really engaging in it. But I think the thing that, it, that is really particularly attractive about it, and I think this is why it's become such a big hit, is because the underlying message is one of love and acceptance. The whole essence of the film, from what I could see anyway, was about love and acceptance. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's become such a massive hit. Because people love seeing that sort of thing. Don't we just love it when we see people being welcomed and accepted? There's a desire in each one of us to feel we belong, to be part of something, and to share that with others. Acceptance is so important. I want to read you an article that I came across in Christianity magazine last year. Uh, the back page is always written by uh, Jeff Lucas, who's a speaker, often at Spring Harvest, based over in Colorado, but a British guy. And he wrote this about acceptance. When Ken showed up at our church, he caused quite a stir. Some of our congregation, concerned about their safety, called upon the Lord with a whispered breath of protection. Others, preferring more temporal security, considered calling the police. We don't normally treat visitors with such suspicion, but Ken was a portrait of menace. Dressed totally in black, his arms and face covered in crude self-inflicted tattoos, his studded trench coat made him look like a goth vampire, and some of our congregation weren't keen on giving blood. His rage was further confirmed by his tattooed knuckles, on one hand, a single word that began with F and ended with K was scrawled, and on the other, to complete the abusive greeting, was the word you. That was Ken's lifelong message. As an angry drug abuser who had spent more than half of his life in jail, he was infamous in the community, his face permanently twisted into a snarl. He only came to the service because someone dared him to attend. You're so horrible, you should try church, they said. Hardly a warm evangelistic strategy. Not one that came up in the last couple of days at the conference. But it worked. Ken sat at the back, absolutely determined to be unmoved, and later confessed that in his living memory he had never, ever cried. Who knows what horrible childhood traumas had smitten his tear ducts with a lifelong drought. But then, little Marge Sample showed up. Silver-haired, elderly, and with a smile that could light up a room, diminutive Marge was on duty as a member of the welcome team that morning. She boldly strode over to him, to where he was sitting, his arms folded defiantly. Hello, she chirped. I'm Marge. I don't believe we've met. She rested her hand lightly on his studded shoulder. Marge was somewhat taken aback by Ken's immediate violent response. Burying his face in his hands, he suddenly exploded into loud wailing. This was no penitent whimper. He howled, 
head turned nervously. Ken sobbed his way into the kingdom that day. The emotional dam burst was triggered quite simply because no one had been warm and welcoming to him for a very, very long time. A simple gesture of kindness unlocked a man who had been imprisoned by hate for decades. Ken started to attend church, and his enthusiasm in worship initially caused a few raised eyebrows. When he raised his hands in praise, people three rows back got a rather unsuspected message from those lifted knuckles. Eventually, he decided to have that lettering removed by laser surgery. A doctor in the church volunteered his time, and we took an offering to cover the other costs. The amount that was needed was the exact final total of the offering, another small miracle. Standing in the baptismal tank with his hands still encased in post-operation plastic bags, he thanked the congregation, his face beaming, he held up those hands. Now the outside matches the inside, he said, I'm clean. Ken's life was totally transformed and his conversion stuck. Sometimes it doesn't take a lot to change everything. Acceptance is so important. It's so important and we want it to be a strong trait of KCC, of our community. We want to be an accepting, inclusive community. With a second week in our series, Colin started so powerfully last week talking about what God thinks of us. Still to come over the next couple of weeks, we've got what we think about ourselves and what we do when we think differently. But today we're looking at what we think of each other. And we're going to be looking at why we should accept each other, what is acceptance, and how do we demonstrate it. So firstly, why should we accept each other? Romans 15 has, in a nutshell, in verse 7, I'm just going to read from verse 5 for you. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. God accepted us. He accepted you and me. That was the nutshell of Colin's message last week. That's the foundation first and foremost reason why we should accept one another is because God has accepted us. We are chosen. We are his holy people, set apart, dearly loved. You and I, if we've called on the name of Jesus, if we're trusting him, if we would say we're Christians, we have been reconciled to him. We are being, we've been made one with him. We're totally accepted and forgiven. And because of that, we can go on to accept one another in the same way. Genesis 1, 27 tells us that every person is acceptable to God because they were made in the image of God. There is value, there's innate value in every single person. And it goes even further, Romans 15 there tells us to accept one another because Christ has accepted us. He's even accepted the person sat next to you. Can you believe that? He's, he's accepted the person in front of you and the person behind you. When you're sat in community group, he accepted the person opposite you. It's great news, isn't it? 
Who are we? If God has chosen and accepted them, who are we to argue? He has welcomed them. In fact, all Christians are our brothers and sisters. We're to love them, involve them. Rick Warren says it like this. I think we've got it on the quote on the next screen. One of the ways we reflect God's love and bring him glory. Isn't that a wonderful thing as well that's contained in that? By accepting one another, we bring praise to his name. We bring him glory is to accept each other just as he accepts us. This means we accept others' quirks. There's some quirky people around, aren't there? God says accept them. You're pretty quirky too, actually. And look past their faults in order to see a person created in the image of God. God has accepted me, he's accepted you, and therefore we need to accept one another. And as we do so, we reflect his love and we bring him glory. You know, Peter, I was reminded yesterday, Peter, you might remember in Acts 10, he has this vision from God of Acts 9, he has this vision from God of a sheet coming down full of food that up until that point in the Jewish uh, tradition and Jewish uh, teachings, God had said they couldn't eat certain things. But this sheet showed it full of things that had been deemed unclean. And God said to Peter, it is clean. And in that he was saying, you're to go and bring the good news to people beyond the Jewish nation. And it took three times for this vision to appear before Peter got the message. He's a bit slow on the uptake, as I am sometimes too. But he got the message. And then he went to Cornelius' house. Cornelius was a Roman centurion. He was not part of the Jewish nation. And yet God had told him to go. Because he wanted, this man, Cornelius, wanted to know something of God. And it tells us in Acts 10... What Peter said once he'd learnt this lesson. Truly I understand God shows no partiality but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Peter had to learn the lesson that God accepts these people and therefore he needs to. He needs to go and mingle with them. He needs to go and talk with them. Have you had that revelation? Have you had that revelation that people that are from a different background from you, different life experience, different nationality, different age, they are acceptable to God too? We should also accept one another because Jesus modelled it. Jesus modelled it so powerfully when he walked the earth. He ate with sinners. He was accused of being a friend of sinners. He hung out with the misfits. The one classic story that shows is the story, if we've got the next slide, please, Naomi. His encounter with the woman caught in adultery. Do you remember that one? It's recorded in John 8. It says, early in the morning, Jesus was in the temple courts teaching. And the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, they brought in a lady who had been caught in adultery. And they flung her before him. Just imagine this lady ashamed, embarrassed, clothes, hair, probably dishevelled. Everyone's staring at her. Just imagine, she probably wanted the ground to swallow her up. She knew she'd done wrong. She'd been caught in adultery. That's what it tells us. It doesn't tell us anything more about it. It doesn't give us a name. It just says she's been caught in this sin. 
What were people thinking? As they look on her, stumbling, tripping up, her head bowed, she's fearful. And the Jewish leaders say to Jesus, this woman has been caught in adultery. What do you say? Do we stone her? That's what, that's what the law says we should do. What do we do? And how does Jesus respond? He bends down and he just starts writing in the ground. We have no, it doesn't tell us in the Bible what he's writing, but he just starts writing in the ground. And the Jewish leaders press him some more and say, come on. What's got, what, what do you say, teacher? I can imagine it being in a joking, mocking voice. Teacher, what do you say? Jesus says, if any of you is without sin, you be the first to cast the stone. You be the first to throw the stone at her. And one by one, they all disappear because they know they might not have committed adultery, but they have all sinned in one way or another. Jesus looks at this woman and I imagine he looks her in the eyes with such love and compassion. And he says, has no one condemned you? And she says, no, sir. And he says, then neither do I. He stopped. He listened. He showed compassion. He took time. He maintained her dignity. He accepted her. And do you know what? His acceptance provided a way out for her. It wasn't that he was letting her off. It wasn't that he was saying, you know, that's okay, then carry on. Because what does he then say? He says, go and leave your life of sin. Sin no more. So it's not he wasn't ignoring the issue, but he accepted her. You know, there's a big lie that goes around. If we accept that particular person, they're never going to change. They're always going to live that particular lifestyle. I don't think Jesus modelled that. Do you know, maybe your acceptance of someone might be the very thing they need to begin to change. Just like the story that Ken, that Jeff Lucas talks about. You know, Marge accepted him and it created the trigger for him to change. Let's not accept the lie that if we don't accept people, they're just going to carry on. So we need to accept each other because Jesus modelled it. It's powerful. And finally, we should accept one another because actually, we need each other. We need each other. You know, time and time again, Scripture talks about the church being a body of Christ. We're one body made up of many parts. And do you know what? God, I believe, puts different people around us because we actually might need them to change us. You know, maybe the person that you find a little bit more tricky actually might be in your life because God wants to use them to change you in some way. Not that he wants you to change them. Which we often think, oh yeah, you know, aren't I good? I can help make them better. Well, actually, maybe that person might be there to help you become more godly. We need each other. We need each other. Let's learn from those who are different from us. We can't do that if we don't accept them. If we keep them at arm's length. And also those people who perhaps you struggle with, that you perhaps don't naturally click with. Because there will be people that you gel with more than others. Maybe they are fulfilling a role in church life that you can't do. 
They probably are, because God's wired us differently. So why should we accept one another? Because first of all, God's accepted you and me. Me and you, he's accepted us. Secondly, because Jesus modelled it. And thirdly, because we need each other. So what is acceptance? What does it actually mean? Well, first of all, it's worth saying what it isn't. You know, there's lots of talk these days of tolerance. We must tolerate one another. In fact, it's taught in schools, British values, tolerance. I don't believe acceptance is simply tolerance. To me, tolerance is something you can do from a distance. You can put up with someone. That's to me what tolerance is about, putting up. You know, you be nice, yeah, you be nice with one another, but you don't necessarily engage, you tolerate, you put up. Acceptance isn't simply tolerating. A guy called Randall Stevenson, who's the chairman, CEO, and president of AT&T, telecommunications company for Southern America, is, I think, a global company now. He said this. He did a tele a video conference to all his staff, and in it he said this. I'm not asking you to merely tolerate each other. Tolerance is for cowards. Being tolerant requires nothing of you but to be quiet and not make waves, holding tightly to your views and judgments without being challenged. Do not merely tolerate each other. Work hard, move into uncomfortable territory and seek to understand each other. Tolerance to me, you do at a distance. Yep, that's fine. You believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, and we're all, you know, as long as we don't rock the boat, it's all good. We're called to accept one another. There's a closeness there. There's a love there. I love that quote. He's, you know, he gave that to his workforce. And the people who were actually in the same room as him, it was televised throughout all AT&T centres around the world, but the people who were actually in the room gave him a standing ovation. It was something they were desperate to hear. We want to go beyond just tolerance. We want to accept one another. To seek to understand. Isn't that great? Acceptance is about trying to understand one another. Where are you coming from? Let me hear your point of view. Let me understand. To love and involve each other. Nor is acceptance, and I think this is something that really struck me yesterday, again at this conference, acceptance does not mean affirmation. And we need to be careful of that because that's a growing understanding of the word. I hadn't realised until it was highlighted to me yesterday that the younger generation, Generation Z, they understand the term acceptance to mean affirmation. When we talk about that in this church culture, we're not meaning that. It doesn't necessarily mean we'll agree with everything. It doesn't mean we necessarily agree with some people's lifestyle choices, but we'll still welcome them. You know, Jesus didn't agree with the woman caught in adultery. He accepted her and loved her, but there was a time for challenge under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, clearly acceptance isn't about shunning people and excluding them. So acceptance, what is it? Well, it's those, the opposite of those things. It's involving people in our lives. It's loving them. It's welcoming them. It's valuing them. Saying, you matter. You matter. It is so good that you're here today. 
You know, we need to be saying that to people regularly. Look them in the eye and say it, mean it. So glad you're here today. Church is better because you're here today. Community group is better because you're here today. Say it in your workplace. Say it in your, in your classes. Say it to your family. Say it to your neighbours. My road is better because you're here. Value them, accept them, welcome them. So what does it look like? What does an accepting community look like? Well, I think it's a diverse community. People are made up of all different backgrounds. It's guests coming back because they felt welcome and they want to come again. It's no cliques. It's integrated, as we want to be. Over there, integrated. It's different people mixing up with one another. It's inclusive. I think it's a place where loneliness and isolation is a distant memory. We're not there yet, but that's where I want us to be. I want us to be a community that amongst us and going beyond us, we smash loneliness and isolation. I actually think that's something our church is called to do. It came out of the week of prayer, but God was calling us to being a place that tackles and addresses loneliness amongst us, but also wherever we go. I believe it's a place where people ask for and receive help. I believe it's a place where people take down their masks, because if we're an accepting place and a welcoming place, they're going to feel safe to take off their masks. It's a place where people hang out together and socialise. They enjoy one another's company. It's a place where people get nurtured. They feel welcomed and they can grow. It's a place where they can be encouraged, provoked and challenged because it's a safe place. I believe it's a place that functions as a family. Where older men are treated as fathers, older women as mothers, younger men as brothers and younger women as sisters. It's where we act. It's a place which acts as one body, everyone playing their part. It's a place made up of people from all sorts of backgrounds and ages, different stories coming together as one. To quote from another film, or to refer to another film, old one now, Lilo and Stitch. Remember that one? Disney film? They had this phrase, Ohana, means family. It's what Lilo says to, what Lilo says to Stitch, and then Stitch says to her later on. Ohana means family. And family means nobody gets left behind or forgotten. Let KCC be a place that declares with words and actions, Ohana. You're not going to be left out. You're not going to be left behind. You belong. You're not going to be forgotten. That's what I think an accepting community looks like. It's a place where people feel welcomed, valued, nurtured, where we can all feel safe and we can grow and reach the potential that God's calling us to. So finally, how do we demonstrate acceptance? You know, if we're, if we're clear on that we need to be doing it and what it might look like, how do we actually go about demonstrating acceptance? Well, I think it's a bit like developing a healthy lifestyle. I think developing uh, an acceptance lifestyle and an accepting community is a bit like a healthy lifestyle. Now, I say this because I'm trying to be more healthy in 2018 than I have been before. I know looking at me, you think, you don't need to do anything, Dom. You are the epitome of physical awesomeness. 
but my clothes hide it well. And so I set out at the beginning of this year, as a family, we decided we were going to do certain things to become healthier. And to become healthier, there are certain things you need to avoid, and there's certain things you need to do. It's the combination of those two that lead to a healthy lifestyle. So, for example, I am avoiding having so many snacks. So we've cut down, and we're doing really, really well as a family. We're encouraging one another. We're limiting ourselves to two unhealthy snacks a day. Each snack can't be more than 100 calories. And we've got a little tick sheet on our wall in our kitchen. We tick it off. Yeah, we've had one. We'll have one more. I have to tell you, it really is tiny amounts. So I am particularly partial to peanut M&Ms. I love them. I could quite easily eat through a bumper bag of peanut M&Ms. Well, when you work out what that looks like for 100 calories, <laughs> got the scales out, beginning of January, nine peanut M&Ms. Nine. It's the sort of amount you get in a peanut M&M bag labelled fun size. <laughs> which I have said in previous times, where's the fun in that? <laughs> My mum bought me a kilogram bag of these. It's going to last me 50 days. <laughs> At least the present will last quite a long time. There's certain things you have to avoid if you want to be healthy. But there's also things you have to start doing. So you have to exercise more. You have to drink plenty of water. You have to get enough sleep. So I've got my pedometer in my pocket trying to get up to 10,000 steps every day. Although the BBC this week says, no, that's pointless. <laughs> Yay, I can sit back down again. But to be healthy and to develop a healthy lifestyle, you have to avoid certain things and you have to do certain things. And I believe it's similar if we want to create an accepting lifestyle, an accepting community. There's certain things we need to avoid doing and there's certain things we need to actively do. We need to avoid showing any form of partiality. The Bible's really clear on that. In James 2, it talks about show no partiality, no favouritism, no preferences. You know, if someone walks in who is clearly just demonstrating they have lots of money, this is what it says in James 2, laden with gold and kind of dressed in an amazing outfit, suit or expensive dress, we are to treat them no differently than if someone walks in looking like they've been sleeping off the street in the last few months. We're to show no favouritism or preference. We need to avoid that. We need to avoid any cliques. Do you know what? It's really easy to stick with people that we know very well and that we feel comfortable with. It, 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 to one level, it, it's very human and it's fine to have good friends. But if it's at the exclusion of others, we've got a problem. How do you view coffee time? Do you see it as an opportunity to catch up with your mates? Or do you see it as an opportunity to reach out, get to know and bless someone that you don't know? Someone that's new. Someone that perhaps you haven't spent a lot of time with before. We might not be proactive. We might not be intentionally shutting people out. But if all we do is ever gravitate to the people we're comfortable with and know, there's going to be people who are left out. We need to avoid automatically Drifting to those. Yeah, yeah, let's spend time with our friends, but let's make sure we're looking out for those as well. 
extending the hands of friendship. It does take effort. It takes considerable effort. Especially if you're an introvert like me, it's quite hard. It's exhausting reaching out all the time. But that's what God calls us to do. And because he calls us to do it, he will enable us to do it. And it takes courage. You know, to go and talk to someone you know, no, it takes courage. What if they don't talk back? Well, they might not do. But let's, let's try and involve. Let's try and encourage. Let's avoid cliques. We also need to avoid stereotypes and prejudice. Lumping people together. It can be in the little phrases we say. We might not really think it, but we just say it every now and again. Oh, all your generation. All young people. All old people. This comes out. We need to stop ourselves because that's not demonstrating acceptance. Oh, everyone from that country, they always... All British people. It's not helpful and it's not good. I've been reading a book called Leading a Multicultural Church by a guy called Malcolm Patton, and he says this, discovering prejudice, confessing it, and overcoming it is part of our becoming more like Christ. We become better people with purer hearts in our relationships with all people. We need to address it, face up to it, tackle it, keep going after it, we will have no stereotypes. We'll have no prejudice. We're not going to accept it. We need to be alert. Ask God to help us in our own thought life, in the way we speak, in the way we talk, and the way we act. Let's not lump people together. And we need to avoid judgmentalism as well. We need to avoid and have nothing to do with it. It's a big issue in our society, in our culture to judge people. Jesus was really clear on this. Matthew 7, verse 1 to 5. He said, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you seek the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Well, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, where there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We must avoid judgmentalism. Let's speak well of one another. Let's look for the best in one another. So those are things to avoid. But just like a healthy lifestyle, it's no good just avoiding the fatty foods and the sugars. You need to be proactive and get exercise and drink well and, and sleep well. So what are some of the things we need to do if we're going to be an accepting community? Well, I've hinted at some of these already. We need to welcome. It's a call to all of us. It's not just the welcome team. It's not just you know, John and Jenny today in their welcome T-shirts. We are all called to welcome. In fact, the ESV translation of Romans 15.7 uses the word welcome instead of accept. It says, welcome each other as Christ has welcomed you. It's everyone's responsibility. Now, we can all notice people who are new 
and go over and chat to them. We can all make a point of cooking an extra portion of meal so we're ready to invite people back. We can simply smile at someone. If that's all you can manage, do that. Acceptance, what else can we do? We need to seek to understand one another. It takes time. Ask lots of questions. Find out about someone. As that quote from Randy Stevenson earlier said, seek to understand one another. We want to go beyond just tolerance and actually find out. Because actually people are more than just a label that we're tempted to give them. They're a person. Let's get to know them. Ask them questions. Show real interest in what's going on in their life. Choose to invest time. You know, one of the things we didn't mention this morning is we've got our social coming up in a couple of weeks. If you haven't yet got your tickets for that, get your tickets. Oh, but I don't really like doing that sort of thing. Do you know, I don't like just doing some fun games and, and eating some food. Well, what's wrong with you if you don't like those things? But <laughs> I accept you. <laughs> but come along. Make a decision. Yeah, you could be doing other things, but come and invest. Come and use the opportunity to get to know some people. Of course, there'll be times when you can't make it your way or whatever. But if there's things going on that help build community, choose. I'm going to help build this community. I'm going to help demonstrate acceptance of one another. I'm going to take time to get to know some of these people who are perhaps of a different age group than me or different background from me. I just want to get to know them a bit. And here's an opportunity for you being laid out on a plate for very cheaply. So if you haven't got your ticket, see Jackfield. You know, one of the tests of how accepting we are is who we choose to socialise with. Who we choose to invite into our home. Is it just a very select little group of cosy friends and family? Or do we regularly have people of different ages and stages of life? Do we have people who have different personalities to us, different character traits? Do we invite them into our homes? Because I would suggest if there's a variety, we're demonstrating acceptance. It takes courage. It takes effort. This is what God's calling us to. How else can we do it? Well, we can speak well of one another. Speak well. Choose to speak well of people. In public, but also in private. We can love those who seem to have nothing to offer. You know, we will encounter people who don't seem to have very much materially. But when we choose to involve them and invest in them, without thinking, well, what will I get back? That's demonstrating acceptance. <coughs> demonstrating acceptance is also how we celebrate our differences. We are different. We will be different. You know, God calls us to unity, not uniformity. We don't all have to be the same. We don't have to be all clones of one another. That would be really weird. Can you imagine? A room full of me's. But we are called to unity. So there will be differences. Let's celebrate the differences. Let's celebrate the, the different dynamics we get. I love, you know, we just had International Sunday the other week. I love how we can celebrate the different foods and cultures we bring. 
And that's what God wants. United with Christ at the centre, but demonstrating the, the differences and that we can get along. Variety really is the spice of life. It makes it interesting, doesn't it? Let's celebrate that. Demonstrating acceptance is about overlooking the minor differences, the minor offences, choosing instead to forgive, another one of our culture traits. And it's learning to think the best of one another. Last year I went to the Global Leadership Summit um, at St Albans, at uh, the vineyard in St Albans, and Bill Hybels shared what I thought was a brilliant set of ideas of how to demonstrate acceptance and respect. He calls them his rules for respect. So we've got those, please, Naomi. Nine rules of respect, which I think were fantastic. I just want to share this with you because I think it's just a great way of living for anyone, but certainly for us as Christians who are called to accept. Differ with others without demonising them. It's so easy, isn't it? When we have a difference with someone, we attack them and say, they're horrendous, they're this, that and the other. No, they have a different opinion. We might not agree with it. But let's not demonise the person. Conduct spirited conversations without drawing blood. It's okay to have heated discussions, but let's love the person. Do not interrupt others and do not dominate the conversation. Yeah, let's listen to one another. Not cut people off. Well, actually, this is what I think about this. Well, let me tell you about this going on in my life. Let's listen to one another. Limit the volume levels when talking and refuse to use harsh or explosive words. It's so easy, isn't it, when we're getting irate? And shout louder and louder and louder. Be courteous in words and actions to everyone. Number six, do not stereotype or draw quick conclusions about people. What I was saying earlier. Apologise immediately when wrong instead of denying or blaming. Form your own opinions carefully and be open to change your opinion if better information comes along. Let's not be so stuck and defend. Yes, there's a time for standing up for values, but we can still do that in a loving way. And if it isn't a values issue, if it's an opinion, let's be prepared to listen to one another. An interesting one that he finishes with, show up when, they, when, you, when you say you will show up and do what you uh, say you will do. Keep your promises, kind of integrity really, isn't it? So we're called to accept one another because God has accepted you and me, because Jesus modelled acceptance and because we need one another. Acceptance isn't simply tolerating It isn't affirming, but it is loving and valuing. It's welcoming. And it's a powerful thing. It will create an environment where people feel safe, where they can put on their masks, where they can grow, where they can be nurtured. And we achieve it by avoiding certain things, like being absolutely certain to throw out any sense of prejudice and stereotypes and cliques but instead choosing to speak well of one another, of inviting one another, investing one another, taking time to understand, to say, I love having you around. 
I really do think this is a key message for us as a church. It's a message of freedom. God has got so much planned for us as a church. But as we grow more like him, we will have a greater impact on one another and the world around us. You know, this conference that Robin and I went, that Robin Tessie and I went to was called Hope of the World. It's the third strand of our vision, their hope. It is true. We really are the hope of the world. How are we going to demonstrate that? Well, it's by the way we demonstrate our love for God and our love for one another. We need to seek after this. We need to pursue it fervently with at least as much fervour as I've been pursuing a healthy lifestyle. We need to seek after it and we're going to see amazing things happen as we do. I'm going to finish by praying for us. I'd love us just to finish perhaps with one more song. Yeah. Lord, I thank you so much that you have accepted us. How different from you are we? The holy God, creator of all things, king of kings, yet choose to come and love us and die for us, that we could be accepted, that we could be known and loved by you. The lengths you went to to demonstrate your acceptance of us. Lord, I pray that would always be a foundation of our lives and that you would reveal more and more to us what it means to be loved and cherished by you. But Lord, I pray on the back of that, you would make us more and more of an accepting community, a place that truly welcomes and values all sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds with all sorts of stories. And I pray that our acceptance would be a key to unlock people from their captivity and their boundness, just like you did with the woman caught in adultery. Lord God, help us to step out with courage. Help us to look to those around us, to include one another, to be proactive in what we avoid and also what we press into. And I pray that as we do that, we would see amazing things happen. I pray there'd be an explosion of freedom and fruit amongst us that goes far and wide to the towns and cities around us. Oh God, will you have your way? Let your kingdom come, your will be done. Today, let this be the day. Amen.